there are um, contrary to what a lot of people might think, a hell of a lot of people out there that are founding businesses, founding startups, working on innovations that can actually have a marketable um, or a remarkable um, impact, positive impact on the health of the ocean. Hello and welcome to the Ocean Impact Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Silverwood. And this is a very special episode of the podcast today because it's a conversation between the founders of OIO, myself and of course, Nick Chiarelli. And you have to go back all the way to episode number one to catch the last time we did this. The reason for this chat was we really wanted to take a deep dive into the Ocean Impact Pitch Fest 2021 and of course the new HP Generation Impact Incubator for a 35 or under innovator from Australia and explore exactly what is on offer this year, what's in it for you and why it really is so important for startups and businesses and entrepreneurs around the world to really take a close look at this program, to get your applications in and to hopefully be recognized as one of the finalists or the winners. And so that's exactly what we do. We put it out to our community to throw some questions our way and we go through in quite a bit of detail what it is, how the process works, what's in it for you and why it's so important. Now you might have also caught the news recently as we reached this milestone of two weeks into the six week application period that we've announced a new Spotlight Award. It's the Ocean Monitoring Spotlight Award, kindly sponsored by Dicker Data. So we mentioned actually in this podcast that there might be a potential new one coming and we're really pleased to have been able to announce that last week. So there's these four Spotlight Awards this year in addition to a bigger prize pool, over $150,000 worth of cash prizes up for grabs, $150,000 worth of product and support, and obviously huge variations in the different categories there. So the Spotlight Awards were designed specifically to help shine a light on people solving particular ocean challenges. So we've got the Plastic Pollution Spotlight Award sponsored by Zip Water. We've got the Sustainable Ocean Harvesting Spotlight Award sponsored by Austral Fisheries. We've got the Climate Spotlight Award that's sponsored by OIO's Philanthropic Community. And now we've got the Ocean Monitoring Spotlight Award sponsored by Dicker Data. So look, I really want to stress the importance of getting your applications in soon. As I said, there's only four weeks left to go. And the really important thing is to do your written application and submit that early because you really want to get that processed. You really want to get the, uh, the green tick from us to start work on your pitch video because you need to have both the written form in early and the pitch video needs to be submitted to us by the 21st of September. So make sure you share this around, motivate your colleagues to get your applications in. There's so many people out there now on LinkedIn and various platforms talking about the success of last year, all the previous finalists and applicants. So this is a bona fide, awesome opportunity to accelerate your ocean impact. And you'll hear in this conversation today just how motivated we are at OIO to help support and accelerate businesses that are positively impacting the ocean. So thanks to our sponsors, of course, Bank Australia, who have supported us from day dot, and of course, HP Australia for backing us as we scale OIO to make our greatest ocean impact. And thank you, our community, for always tuning in and for sharing the word with your respective sphere of influence. Thanks as always for tuning in to the Ocean Impact Podcast. Into the water, I want to
And there he is, tuning in from our office in Manly is Nick, and I'm at home today on the northern beaches of Sydney. Nick, we've got it working. We got it. We're here. <laughs> Great stuff, mate. Well, this is exciting. We've never taken to Instagram to, to hold one of our conversations before, but it just seemed like the right opportunity to answer a few questions from our lovely community around the world. Excellent. Yeah, looking forward to it, mate. It's... Um... We're uh, increasingly having to embrace technology more and more, aren't we? It is a very virtual world and it's um, certainly something that's played into our hands with the way we've built our programs, uh, in particular PitchFest. So virtual is the way. So um, let's sort of start at the beginning, just to frame this conversation. We're, we're aiming to spend about 30 or 40 minutes having this conversation We'll make sure it's published as an episode of the Ocean Impact podcast so you can catch it at a later stage as well. But we just wanted to run through um, the format. So, of course, we want to talk about, you know, what is PitchFest, the Ocean Impact PitchFest 2021? What are the different categories this year? Uh, there is a bit more uh, depth and breadth to the program this year, as you might have seen. You would have seen that we've got um, a new major partner involved, um, being HP, who joined Bank Australia as presenting partners of the whole campaign. And you would also have seen that we've got a new category called the HP Generation Impact Incubator, which is specifically designed for 35 and under innovators who are residing in Australia. But that doesn't mean that you can't apply for PitchFest, the big one from all around the world. PitchFest this year, $50,000 cash prize for the winner. We've got two $10,000 cash prizes for two runners-up. We've got loads of products and support, HP technology for you. Um, the finalists get access to a whole bunch of support as well. We've got three Spotlight Awards this year. So if you're working on specific solution areas, like solutions to plastic pollution, for example, Zip Water have come up with a $10,000 cash prize for a plastic pollution solution. We've got the Sustainable Ocean Harvesting Spotlight Award sponsored by Austral Fisheries. We've got a Climate Award, and there might even be another special award coming up there as well. There's a lot to go through, but um, what we thought we'd do is to start this conversation with a bit of a glimpse into the origin story of Ocean Impact Organisation, maybe you're quite new to this project and you might want to get a bit of a glimpse at what we've, where we've come from and where we're going next. So why don't we start there, um, Nick, a bit of a glimpse into the origin story. You are the man, the, the brainchild of this wonderful concept. Why don't you give us a little bit about the, the origin story of OIO? Sure, mate. Yeah, so... Um... Look, a while back, um, just prior to meeting you, I saw that there was a, a gaping hole, if you like, in the market for, um, in particular Australia, but even globally at the time, for something that supports people that are doing great stuff in the ocean. So there are, um, contrary to what a lot of people might think, a hell of a lot of people out there that are founding businesses, founding startups, working on innovations that can actually have a marketable um, or a remarkable um, impact, positive impact on the health of the ocean. Um, but essentially, it, there's a lot of disparate uh, parts and they're not necessarily all talking to each other or collaborating as well as they could. And that includes investors, uh, that includes startup founders, that includes uh, ocean researchers. So um, saw this gap and also saw that uh, in the last five to 10 years, the startup ecosystem world, if you like, 
has moved from supporting generic technology companies and, and software mostly to uh, working in defined verticals. So things that support um, industries mostly. So if you think about the term tech, you see it a lot these days. Um, people will say property tech or agriculture tech or medical tech or uh, it, just about every industry has a tech, which is um, something sort of like ocean um, impact organisation. So I said, well, why doesn't something exist for the ocean? And probably for about um, three, four, five months, I said about having a bunch of conversations with people to find out the obvious things that I wasn't getting as to why. Um, the good thing was after that, those conversations, it turned out that there was really no reason why. Yes, there's some barriers like... Um, the, the tragedy of the commons, if you like, so much of the ocean isn't actually owned by anyone and obviously doing um, anything at sea is a challenge as well, but nothing really fundamental that, that um, meant that it couldn't exist. Um, fast forward to when I met you, Tim, and the I suppose meeting you was a little bit of a moment um, where it dawned on me um, that to really get this thing going, we needed to put in a hell of a lot of work up front um, and get a hell of a lot of community support um, for our mission. Because right now, or back then, if we'd started with investors, which is a logical place to start, um, there wasn't enough going on. There wasn't enough awareness. Um, we haven't got things to a critical mass where mainstream investors are ready to pile in. So, you know, meeting to you, meeting you is very fortuitous. Um, and almost immediately after meeting you, that, that idea came into my head that I've been thinking about things a little bit wrong and rather than needing to rush to investors and, and an innovation um, person, that Tim Silverwood was the perfect person for this with your background in bringing, you know, huge amounts of people behind um, an initiative and an impact initiative. So, um that's where we started. We, we realised very early on, you and I, that we don't know all of the, uh, we don't have all of the answers. We don't have expertise in all of the areas we need. So the next thing we did was put together a, a fantastic advisory group, which, which um, we are thankful for every day. Um, and we launched last year with this really naive view of the world to achieve, you know, a list of things as long as your arm in 12 months. And um, the fires came along and then coronavirus came along and they sat us back in our seat and, and made us sort of realise, okay, where are we? What can we practically do? And I'm really proud of the way that the team has um, adapted. We've um, just become a virtual organisation for the foreseeable future and, and all of the programs, including PitchFest that we're offering are 100% virtual, which at this point in time is really the only way for us to proceed. And it's being embraced because, you know, everyone's faced with the same problems around the world. So there you go, folks. A bit of the backstory there. So Nick, um, having this realisation that there was a huge gap in the market, a real opportunity to build something like Ocean Impact Organisation, um, squirrelled away for quite some time building his network and in doing so was was introduced to me and, and lo and behold I'd started my process for thinking about my, my next career manoeuvre and when I saw this vision for, for what Nick was putting together it really impacted me and made me realise that you know there was no ceiling on this and we're quite uh, open and forthright in that the mission is big and 
we will be judged on the success of this in the future to the, metri the metrics of, well, how many startups and entrepreneurs and innovators have we helped accelerate to reach scale and to make their biggest impact? And how much dollars have been shifted into these new emerging industries and businesses to enable them to make their biggest impact. And so when you look at campaigns like the Ocean Impact Pitch Fest 2021 and the HP Generation Impact Incubator, what you're looking at is our best foot forward to get the wheels of this thing moving as fast and as in unison as possible because we just don't have time, right? This is something that comes up a lot in our conversations, Nick, like, we need to be our best in order to enable others to do their best in order to create the biggest impact as quickly as humanly possible. Yeah, exactly. And that, I mean, that's our role. You know, if you wanted to put things into one word, we're an aggregator. So our impact is the impact of 100 others over the next five years. Um, you know, we could have gone into something. I'm sure we could have come up with an idea and pursued that, but... Um, I think with our um, backgrounds and expertise, we're you know pretty well placed to be able to play that aggregator, aggregator role and help many. And this is the great thing. So obviously we're based down here in Australia. We've got a wonderful ocean estate at our doorstep. We've got the Pacific. We've got Asia on our fringes. But we are part of a global ecosystem, right, Nick? And it's a very collegiate and friendly cluster of people. We talk a fair bit about 1,000 Ocean Startups and our other partner organisations around the world. Maybe give us a little glimpse at um, what OIO is in the context of the global landscape. Yeah, well, the good thing is that, um, you know, everyone loves the ocean. Um, it's... It's a cause that is worthy, it's noble, it's easy to understand. And at this point in time, the, the global landscape for uh, accelerators and aggregators like us and, and investment firms that support things in the ocean is still so early that there's no real thought of competition. There's no, there's no competitive tension yet where people are withholding help and support um, so we're really all in for collaboration, which is fantastic. Um, our goals here over the next five years, our headline goal is to accelerate 100 uh, ocean impact startups. So 100 founders and startups, can we support them to get from A to B? And can we support them that, you know, the greatest number of those 100 end up going on to actually have a, a, measurable, a measurable impact? To put that into context, we're part of, um, Tim, you referred to a thousand ocean startups. Now that's a group of venture capitalists and uh, accelerators and aggregators like us all working in the ocean space. And the goal of that group is to accelerate uh, a thousand over the next 10 years. So that sort of gives you a little bit of context for our ambitions here in Australia. We're obviously targeting global um, entries to, to Pitchfest and other programs, um, but you know, a, a core um, piece of our strategy within that is to is to really push Australia as a, a breeding ground for ideas and solutions. Yeah, and that certainly shows in the incredible relationships we've been able to build in the 19 months since we've launched OIO. And it definitely, it makes me a proud Australian. I think one of the first things Nick and I did when we sat down is we reflected we're a very similar age 
and there was this feeling when you traveled the world in your teens and your 20s that Australians were revered for their love and their affinity with the ocean but then in the 15 years preceding now that seems to have been diminished and we started being looked at around the world with a little bit of horror in the fact that we were letting the Great Barrier Reef suffer and we weren't tackling the climate crisis and so we really strongly believe that Australia's got the people, the institutions and the desire to really make a big positive impact and be a net exporter of these solutions. So it's not just about Australia. We do take applications from around the world for PitchFest, but we are based here and this is our backyard. So Nick, let's talk a little bit about the Ocean Impact PitchFest 2020. This was obviously the first big splash that we made last year. It was our first big campaign. And from our perspective, hugely successful. Why don't you give us a little bit of a snapshot about the campaign from your perspective? Well, yeah, last year was interesting. Um, you know, I don't know how many people know this, but it really only came about as an idea to get through COVID. So um, we, like everyone else, were floored back in February, March last year um, with this coronavirus news and... Um, we were getting ready at that point to go and um, bring on major partners and talk to them about running what would mostly be face-to-face -face acceleration programs. And coronavirus came along and we said, well, wow, what do we, what do, we do now? Um, the, the door uh, shut on a lot of corporate conversations, corporate partnerships were really just being parked. No one was having discussions around them. And um, so, Pitchfest started off as an idea that was sort of this big and over the course of a few months as we put it together, it developed into um, this fantastic campaign backed by Bank Australia um, last year. And so it, we had to do something virtual. We wanted to do something that told the world we were here and what we were here to do. We wanted to attract startups into our, um, into our ecosystem and, and we wanted to shine a light to um, investors and, and mainstream investors about the potential to put money into this space and back people with great ideas. So um, we saw almost 200 applications from 38 countries, which completely blew us away. We, we weren't expecting um, anything that big. I probably would have been happy with half of those numbers, um, if I'm honest. Um, and then we looked at it this year and we said, well, of course, we're going to do it again. Um, but this time, how can we how can we take it to another level um, and obviously with a little bit more um, time to plan this year uh, and when we were planning there was some certainty around COVID I mean things are a bit um, topsy-turvy at the moment in Australia um, but we were able to bring on Bank Australia again and this year secure HP which is an enormous um, partnership for us um, you know when we first had this idea around putting Ocean Impact Organisation together um, very early on, we said we we're going to need the support of uh, a really strong core group of philanthropists who back us um, with our long-term vision and corporate sponsors, um, because the funding model for something like this isn't 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 very simple. It's not easy, um, but I don't think in my wildest dreams would I have imagined that we'd have a partner like HP on board. Um, supporting Bank Australia this year. So really enormous for us that multinationals um, like HP are having a look at this space and, and wanting to take action. So 
we brought them on board and we thought about a few other things as well. We we said to ourselves, look, we're happy with the applications last year, really happy with the with the overall quality. But, you know, like anything, you want to progress. So this year we want to see some later, we want to see more later stage um, startups, more in that scale-up um, scale up stage. So we said, let's get some more prize money. So we've gone from having a $15,000 major prize to a $50,000 major prize. Um, we saw some areas that we wanted to see some more applications in. We know they're out there, but we, we didn't see as many as we would have liked. Um, so we put some spotlight awards together. Um, we've got a plastic solution, a spotlight award backed by Zip Water. We have uh, Austral Fisheries backing a sustainable ocean harvesting award. Um, and we have OIO sponsoring a climate award. Um, so anything that embraces um, the ocean as a solution for climate mitigation and adaption. Um, and I think, Tim, you may have alluded to this, but we, we're hopeful of announcing a fourth award in the coming days, but uh, we should probably keep, uh, keep that to ourselves for now. Um, <laughs> we'll keep that exciting news to ourselves for now. <laughs> so then we started speaking to HP, and so I mentioned that we wanted to see later stage entries this year, but, you know, we don't want to lose sight of the fact that part of our job is developing um, a whole bunch of new people with ideas and, um, you know, a lot of those ideas will primarily come from youth. So we, we put together a, a youth category with HP. So specifically looking for an innovator under 35 and residing in Australia. Um, they can be working for a company. So in a lot of um, instances, if there's a founder, for instance, who's under 35 and residing in Australia, it might be that, that they could be applying for the HP Generation Impact Incubator and for the PitchFest um, main prize also. So um, keep that in mind, people. There's two application processes within PitchFest this year. You need to actually do a, a separate online application um, if you fit the criteria for both. Why don't we just talk while we're on that quickly about the application process. Obviously, our goal is to get as many um, great applications in as possible. So we have made it relatively simple. Um, it's an online um, written type form that just allows us to get some fundamental information from you and understand where you're at and what your solution is. And then, you know, within a few days, we'll get back to you and say, thank you for that information. You've met the criteria. We'd now like to see your up to three minute uh, pitch video. So, you know, you've got to get both your written application and your pitch video in by that 21st of September cutoff date. So it's a good idea to get your written application in as soon as possible because what we're going to do when we get back to you is give you some sort of help and some instructions on, on what a good pitch video looks like because you really do want to make sure you, you know, you put your best foot forward with your pitch video. You want to talk to that as well, Nick? Yeah, I mean that's right. We've we've we had you know you know we had good success with the way this was received last year. I mean so there were quite a few people that submitted their online application on the second or last day, uh, not quite understanding that they needed to have their video in as well by then. So if there is one improvement and we want to you know scream it to the rooftops, get your online application in early. We'll let you know within three business days if you've been successful and. And we'll send you an email to say, look, you've been successful. We would like you to submit a three-minute pitch video. Um, that worked really well last year in most instances. And, 
you know, the, I mean, we'll send you some resources, but the number one thing I would do is go and check out the, the finalists from last year and you can, you can see those on our blog. We don't want to be too prescriptive about what that pitch video looks like. As long as it's under three minutes and fits the technical requirements, we think that the best thing to do is to let people be in charge of how they tell their own story. Um, you know, we had a whole range of diverse entries last year and some really creative ones through to some really simple ones. And, you know, there is no um, complete one-size-fits-all recipe for how to do it. Um, so I would suggest looking at a, a wide variety and doing something that fits for you. Um, yeah, and then uh, so beyond that, when, when, we, when we select our finalists, we, we provide the judging panel with your online application and, and your pitch video uh, and whatever public available information is out there will, will also be utilised by the judges. Yes, that's a really good point. As Nick was just saying there, if you're sort of looking and going, is this me? Am I at the right stage? Like, jump on our website and have a look at the, all the information we published on the finalists last year. Um, there was 12 brilliant innovations from around the world that um, really do just get you fired up and excited and show that, you know, positive ocean impact can happen a long way from land. I think about people like Orbital EOS who were a finalist last year who used satellite imagery to detect oil spills and pollution events in the ocean. You know, they could be based anywhere, but as long as they have access to that technology and they're providing that information to authorities and decision makers to help them mitigate those pollution events, they're creating an immense positive ocean impact. So it really is um, the sky's the limit um, in this, isn't it, mate? Absolutely. And, I mean, that's why you don't hear us too often use the term blue economy. So blue economy has become a – well, it is, it is a um, – a widely used term to represent marine industries. That's not us. We, we're broader than that. And, um, you know, when people ask what is ocean impact, can, you know, do I fit the ocean impact organisation remit? The answer is really simple. Um, can you articulate that you're targeting or achieving a you know, significant positive impact on the ocean? And in a lot of ways, if you think about it, the further upstream, the further away you are from salt water, arguably the more impact you can have. So you could, you know, for example, you could, you could work to retrieve plastic out of the ocean or you could work well upstream of there in product design and stop it from actually being produced in the first place. Um, you know, so anyone anywhere can be working in something that can be having a fantastic impact. That's right, and potentially a good segue there. We, we might have almost skipped over it were it not for that little segue to talk about our winner from um, Ocean Impact Pitch Fest 2020, Planet Protector Packaging, who to that point, Nick, um, have an office, a warehouse in Western Sydney, quite away from the ocean, but their solution is to rid the world of polystyrene packaging and boxes. Um, how about we have a bit of a quick chat about what it was like for, for Planet Protector Packaging to win and, and their progress to date because I think Joanne Hoeth, their CEO, would be the first to say, you know, the $15,000 cash check was quite nice, but it was so much more about the network and the support that we brought to her, which really would get her standing on a pedestal um, saying such positive things about the Pitch Fest process and about our organisation. 
Yeah, so it's good timing. They've just raised $1.2, $1.3 million through a crowdfunding campaign, um, which, you know, again, I, I think up the front of the, the um, discussion today, I, I mentioned uh, OIO and a big crowd of supporters and needing to get a lot of people behind our mission. I mean, that is the epitome of crowdfunding. Uh, so 1.2 raised, I think, and I'm not too sure, but there's, there's probably over a thousand investors that are. It involved was uh, in eight eight hundred and fifty five individual investors for that 1.25 mil raise. Eight hundred and fifty five people that are probably very much like um, our audience. You know, we're not talking the type of people that would think, well, you know, or typically, um, I, I can't invest. I don't have the money to invest in these types of things. Well, you can. You can for as little sometimes as two hundred and fifty dollars in some of these campaigns. So really good result for them, and they went down that road um, because they saw the power of having that big crowd of supporters. So those eight hundred and fifty-eight people um, and have all become investors. They're all potential um, lobbyists and um, supporters, which is immensely important because not only are they um, pursuing a business model that. Um, is replacing polystyrene, but they are lobbying hard for government policy change around the use of polystyrene and um, government support to bring back wool manufacturing capability into Australia. So if you have any types of ambitions to move the political dial, you know, it's very expensive and you need a lot of supporters. So that's uh, why a lot of people go down the crowdfunding route these days. It's it's not always the quickest road to capital. Quite often it can actually take a little bit longer, but in the long run, um, it can be really worthwhile. We've seen some fantastic results through crowdfunding, not just for Planet Protector, but for the likes of Seabin Project and, and many others recently. Um, and look, Joe and Planet Protector are, are, are such a great example for us. You know, I mentioned upstream, you touched on that, Tim. You know, they're well upstream and it typically... Um, another company that wasn't isn't run by Joe Howarth um, doing the same thing would consider that they're part of the packaging industry. They would say we're a packaging company. Um, you know how boring is that? You know you're you're in packaging. <laughs> right? That's not. You'll never hear Joe say that. She is in the business of eliminating polystyrene and stopping it um, from getting into the ocean. And if you think about that, that does so much for the mindset of. Um, your potential customers, your existing customers, your staff, your employees. You know, if I'm heading off to work at a packaging company or if I'm heading off to work to, um, to help eliminate polystyrene, I mean, wow, I've got a certain spring in my step doing one, whereas, you know, I'm pretty flat, flat with the other. And they weren't the only applicant to actually really embrace their ocean impact narrative. We live in an age where storytelling is essential to the success of your business. So not only will we have businesses applying who have ocean impact in their DNA, we will have others who are sort of realising that, you know what, we are making a positive impact on planet ocean and it's about time we embrace this storytelling narrative. So... Yeah, I'm excited to see some of the other ones, Nick, like some that came in last year that are doing just that. Okay. So before we run into a bit more detail about Pitchfest 2021 and Gen Impact, there's one other program that we ran um, 
over the the New Year break last year called the Ocean Impact Ideation Program. And maybe just a quick few words from you, Nick, um, about that program and, and why it was important for us to, to run that one also. Yeah, well, throughout the Pitch Fest campaign, I suppose we had a lot of... Um a lot of approaches from people that were probably a little bit early for um, for Pitchfest. So they either um, had an idea that hadn't progressed very far or it was still early or, or even in some cases, people that were motivated to come up with an idea. So don't have an idea right now, but, you know, I'm, I'm stale in my job. I've got no purpose. Um, I'd like to be doing more. How can I? How can I sort of take that first step? So um, we looked at all that and we put together what we call the Ocean Impact Ideation Program, which, um, like it, like I, I alluded to, it's for people that have a very early idea or people that want an idea. And and so we took them through six um, modules over the course of six weeks to basically apply a framework or and a set of logic to. Um, a number of ideas. So the thinking being that, look, we're not necessarily putting this program together to advance any one particular idea. Um, it's more about providing that structured thinking for people to apply to any number of ideas that can come to them throughout their life. You know, how can I actually, it seems odd or brutal, I suppose, but what we want to do is we want people to get to failure as quickly as possible <laughs> with a structured framework. That idea is no good, throw it out, get on with the next one. Don't be disheartened. You're going to have lots of them, but just apply this thinking systematically and, uh, you know, eventually you are going to come up with something that's got legs. So we saw a range of applications from, um, from all over the world. We ran it with, I think, uh, 14 participants um, from, from all over the world and saw some really diverse things in there, um, you know, Lots of people really interested in seaweed, which is cool. Seaweed is, um, I suppose, sexy at the moment. Um, it's being touted as a potential saviour um, to uh, climate change. And in particular, Australia has a hell of a lot of potential. So lots of interest in seaweed farming and seaweed products. Um, one in particular that stands out for me is someone looking at um, repurposing uh, oil rigs uh, for... Uh, aquaculture purposes which is you know really cool um, a lot of people wouldn't know that you know you can't see it from the coast but we do have a hell of a lot of oil infrastructure offshore um, that's decommissioned sitting there rotting um, and there's a little bit of a problem going forward because it's expensive to pull out of the water as well let alone all around the world yes okay so there you go we're um, definitely driven to support all ends of the of the spectrum there from early stage ideas right the way through to those scale-ups who can see uh, a space for their business to utilise our support and our network to, to move from A to B faster. So we've already been chatting for half an hour now, Nick, so we might move through, through things pretty quickly. So we've spoken a little bit about um, the origin story of OIO, what's happened in the last 19 months since launch, We've obviously invested a lot of time this year preparing for the launch of Pitchfest 2021 and, of course, securing those uh, that major partnership with HP, who become now our major technology partner, and with Bank Australia are the co-presenting partners of Pitchfest 2021. 
with HP investing some extra dollars to help spur innovation in youth in Australia with the HP Generation Impact Incubator. You get a $40,000 cash prize if you're successful in winning that one and a whole lot of dedicated support from OIO and HP to help turn your idea into reality. So we're in the application period now, Nick. We launched on the 10th of August. People have got until the 21st of September to get their applications into both programs and we've made it as simple as possible. Now, we put out a opportunity for people to submit their questions um, they would like answered. So let's run through some of those, Nick, and you can, you can throw back the responses. So first question, can people apply for both PitchFest and Generation Impact? Yes, it's a short answer. Um, so starting with Gen Impact first, uh, Gen Impact, the applicant needs to be under 35 or 35 or under at the 10th of August and residing in Australia. Now, um, that applicant could be working for uh, and the solution they're working on could be owned by the company, for instance, that they work for. And that's fine as long as they reside in Australia and they're under 35. So in that instance, um, they may also be eligible for PitchFest as well. Okay, there you go. So if you're under or 35 and under and residing in Australia, you might be eligible for both. If you're outside of Australia, PitchFest 2021 is the one you're targeting. Um, and as long as we said before, you can illustrate that you're intending to or already having a positive impact on the ocean, then it's going to fit in your sweet spot. Now, that yeah, was one of the questions that we actually had, Nick. You know, what is ocean impact and how do I know if my project fits the criteria? You've already said it once, but would you like to just sort of reiterate that one? Yeah, look, the criteria for both, I suppose, is, um, you know, we want ideas that are scalable and that can show, you know, you don't need to show it now, um, but, you know, you should be able to demonstrate that there's, significant potential with your idea or your solution um you know that's what we're looking for um you know we we want things that are scalable you know tim you mentioned earlier that um you know time is um of the essence so we're really looking for solutions that are that can be rolled out globally um that do have a large target market uh, to enable that you know that solution to have the most impact um, I suppose one way just to think about both of them, though, you know, PitchFest is uh, PitchFest has a, a, a hard criteria cap on, on revenue. So to be eligible for PitchFest, you need to be uh, have done an average of less than five million US dollars of revenue. Five million US dollars of revenue. So that's a reasonable that's a reasonable number. Um, on the other side, to be eligible for Generation Impact the cap is $1 million of revenue uh, and $1 million of external funding received. So, you know, it might be, for instance, that you're an under 35 marine scientist. Uh, you might be even just a sole trader at this point. You may have received half a million dollars worth of grants to conduct research around your solution um, and you haven't done any revenue. That would mean you're, you're eligible. Good one. On that, we... Get a few questions about this one and, um, you know, perhaps even a bit of confusion last year, but it, it's not 
eligible for non-profit organisations to apply. Do you want to talk a little bit to that one, Nick, you know, why we've chosen not to make these programs, these dedicated programs available to non-profits? Well, I suppose it comes back to the core of who we are and why we exist. Um, you know, and I don't want to uh, go on too long about it, I suppose, but the, the reality is and the reason that we exist is because we saw um, or we were dismayed by the fact that um, traditionally not-for-profits uh, have existed on minimal funding, uh, minimal funding, to mop up after after business as usual. So we said, hang on a sec, no, that's not going to work uh, into the long term. We need business to be better in the first place. So that's the core of who we are, core of what we do. Um, and there's also a hell of a lot of support out there for um, and not-for-profits doing a variety of things. Um, it's, you know, when we're talking about scalable solutions, um, in our case, we're targeting business because business has the, the greatest chance of rolling out a scalable solution. And that's why, we're, that's why we're very specific about that. Love it. Thank you very much. Um, some people sort of asking, like, you know, particularly for some of those businesses, maybe at the scaling up end of the spectrum, you know, the cash might be appealing, but maybe they want to know a little bit more about the support packages and, and what else you get. Um, to make this a really, you know, good initiative to apply for. Yeah, well, I mean, going off the feedback we got from the finalists and winners and finalists last year and um, I suppose um, what we suspected as well with all of our, our planning going into this is that exposure is a big, a big thing. Um, exposure, awareness, um, introductions to, you know, key mentors and, potential partners and customers is really key and it's hard to put a value on those things. Um, those things are all provided as part of the, the winners and the runners-up um, uh, prizes. We've got a number of um, partners in the PitchFest Partner Network that are, have thrown support packages together. I think the, uh, the biggest one of those is a $20,000 branding and, and marketing package from our friends at Republic of Everyone. Uh, we've got support packages, um, legal support packages from Halo Group Holdings, uh, from Mazars Accounting. So all of those business fundamentals, there's, there's, there's quite a variety of those in there. Um, we give you an opportunity to participate in the, the Ocean Impact podcast, so coming back to awareness again, um, and, and, and mentors in our network. So what we found last year, um, a number of the the finalists were actually in the process of looking for opportunities for market entry into Australia, either to conduct um, trials or, um, you know, actively looking for customers. And we were able to facilitate um, a lot of those introductions, which is, you know, really valuable. And we're just getting better and better at that as our network grows. Um, is there a catch to the cash prizes, um, Nick? There's no catch. It's no catch. It's completely unencumbered. It's not a grant. It's uh, you don't have to report against it. Um, you win. We transfer the money. It's yours. That's the end of it. Good one. And obviously in Australian dollars there as well. Uh, any other questions that came through on your side, Nick, that you'd like to get answered? Um, a lot of ones are sort of coming through, just sort of asking the question as to whether their solution qualifies as Ocean Impact. I, I suppose 
we have spoken to that point a number of times through this conversation. Look, you know, the onus is on you and your network to assess how you demonstrate your current or future ocean impact, I would say to that one. Yeah, what people can do as well if they're, um, you know, if they're, if they want to understand more about their own ocean impact, go and check out the um, application questions. We've actually put a link at the start of the at the start of the application form um, to a, a Google Doc to make it really easy for people to go away and copy and paste that and and actually work through their answers. Um, and the questions themselves will give give people an idea of the types of areas they might be working in. Um, you know, if if they're to be considered eligible. Great stuff. Well, I think we've had a pretty good chat. We've we've addressed a fair few points, but I think um, in light of just wrapping a nice little bow around this, we might run through them a little bit more in detail. So I'm Tim. We've got Nick here. We're the co-founders of Ocean Impact Organisation. We've got a great team behind us helping us in our mission to support and accelerate businesses that are transforming the health of the ocean. The Ocean Impact Pitch Fest 2021 is a six-week global initiative to find, support and accelerate the best businesses who are transforming ocean health. It launched on the 10th of August. Applications closed on the 21st of September 2021. We've made it very simple to apply. Just go to our website. It's a written type form response. Within a few business days, you'll be notified if you're successful, at which point you can start on your up to three-minute pitch video. Both the written and the pitch video need to be submitted by the 21st of September. There's a whole bunch of great prizes attached to PitchFest 2021, including a $50,000 cash prize for the winner and a whole lot of support from OIO and our partners. In addition to the PitchFest 2021, which anyone working on ocean impact around the world, a few little caps there on revenue and things, can apply to, we have got the HP Generation Impact Incubator, which is designed for 35 and under innovators from Australia. It's a $40,000 cash prize and a huge amount of support from HP and OIO to help bring your idea to life. In addition, we've got... Spotlight Award categories this year as part of PitchFest. So if you're working on solutions to plastic pollution, climate, sustainable ocean harvesting, there's going to be some extra incentives there as well. Really worth important dropping in that the $70,000 of the total cash prize pool for PitchFest was generously supported by OIO's philanthropic community. So big thanks to the Ryan Cooper Family Foundation the Auxilium Foundation and the Prior Family Foundation. We've got so many partners and supporters involved with this campaign. Go and check out the judging panel this year. Really impressive people who will be assessing your applications. And this is a fantastic way to accelerate and scale your positive impact because, as we've said a number of times in this call, we do not have time to waste. We've got to get down to business and help Planet Ocean. Is there anything I've missed there, Nick, that you'd like to chime in with? No, mate, I couldn't have said it better, better myself. All right. Well, at 45 minutes, that's a nice wrap-up on this conversation. You'll be maybe listening to this on the Ocean Impact Podcast. If you're not already a podcast listener, just go and search Ocean Impact Podcast. There's over 50 great episodes, including conversations with 
the finalists from Pitchfest 2020. So you can hear directly from the people who are on the front line innovating for a healthy ocean. So we'll wrap things up here. Thanks as always for tuning in. Any final words, Nick? Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Get your applications in, get them in soon so you've got as much time to work on your video as possible. Thanks, everyone.